Good morning. There I am. I knew I was up here somewhere. Just couldn't hear myself. How many of you are glad to be in the Lord's house today? Amen. I'm fully aware that we have several members of our congregation who, like me, have been struggling for the last couple of weeks against this Kentucky crud. I read uh, <clears throat> this morning one of the news reports that said that in the United States of America, there are four states that are considered the highest in the United States in terms of flu and RSV and other types of respiratory issues. Washington State, Utah, Kentucky, and Indiana. It's good to be among the numbered, isn't it? <clears throat> but you know, as I was sitting there singing that song and struggling to sing, it just came over me that we have the authority in Jesus' name to bind whatever the enemy tries to set loose on us. And we can loose the healing virtue of God into our lives. I just wonder if you'll join me right now and let's bind this thing in Jesus' name. Let's shut it down in Jesus' name and let's, let's release healing. Uh, for those of you who are watching on television today, we pray for you and let's all pray together right now. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ through the authority that our, is ours in Jesus' name and we bind this virus and this sickness that has overtaken our country and our state. Oh, we come against the flu, all types of it. We come against bronchitis. Lord, we bind up RSV. We bind up COVID as it might try to connect with our bodies once again. We understand, Lord Jesus, that none of those things are from your hand. You, not, you did not bring sickness and disease upon your people. But you took stripes upon your back so that we could walk in health and healing. So today in Jesus' name, we bind the, the attempt of the enemy to come against us and to put sickness on us. And we release healing virtue into our bodies and into our community, into our city, into our state. And we believe that shortly that the testimony will no longer be, I'm under the influence of sickness but our testimony will be, I have been set free to healing in Jesus' lovely name. And we thank you now, Lord, because you have heard our prayer and you are releasing your healing into our bodies and into our family. We ask it in Jesus' name. We give you praise. Amen. Will you give the Lord a good praise this morning? Hallelujah. 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 God is good, isn't he? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're in these mortal bodies for a while, but I thank the Lord that one of these days what is mortal will become immortal. What is perishable will become imperishable. And there will never be a sickness or a death in our heavenly realm. Never, never, never in Jesus' name. We have that to look forward to, but we can be healed right here in this realm right now because Jesus has provided it for us. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and smile at them real big and tell them I am healed and so are you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let me thank you so much for being here last week when I was unable to be here at uh, Jack's funeral Friday night. I know that those of you who are here knew that I was struggling some with my voice and trying to get through it, but the Lord helped me. On Saturday the next day, it didn't seem to get better. It seemed to get worse. So I called Pastor Jonathan early Saturday morning. And I said, uh, you're the guy tomorrow. I hope you'll, you'll be ready. And he always is. And he always brings a wonderful word to the body here. And so I have every confidence in his ability. Thank you for coming and being supportive. Uh, as you can tell, I'm still a little weak up here. But in Jesus' name, I'm declaring healing over my voice today, and I believe he's going to help me, and we're going to get better in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me also say thank you to all of those who stayed after church Sunday last week and decorated our church. 
Isn't this lovely? I mean, just seems like every year they do better and better than they did the year prior. We have a new place out in the foyer where you can take your photograph with your family over the next few weeks. That'll stay out there until about uh, the first of the year. And so if you'd like to get your family here, that's a good excuse for you to invite them to come to church. Say, we've got a photo booth at church, and I'd like to have my picture taken with your lovely faces, and I want you to come and be a part. Say, well, I don't know how to work my phone. Well, all these young people do. And so if you want somebody to take your picture, just uh, they can do it. Just ask them to do it. Don't be afraid, and they'll be glad to do it, but it just looks spectacular, just beautiful, and I'm so thankful for all of those who participated, a very good crowd, I saw a picture of the ones that were here, and you did a lovely job, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate all that you have done to cause our church to be festive looking and looking great. Now, don't forget our Wednesday nights for the remainder of the year are being dedicated to specific groups to be able to uh, meet together, our choirs meeting in the sanctuary to get their Christmas music together. All of our children are meeting in the treehouse over here, and uh, they're practicing their parts and putting their Christmas musical together. And so if you can bring your children there, that would be wonderful. The elders are meeting with me. We're walking around the property and we're dreaming together about what God might have us to do over the next five years. And we're very excited about some information that we will be able to bring to you in the next few weeks. Believing that God is going to give us a wonderful vision for us to participate in over the next uh, five years that we are here together. And then, of course, the uh, prayer team is meeting together in my office uh, and so we've got a lot going on, but we're just not having a sanctuary class on Wednesday nights until the end of the year. Come January, we're going to be ready to go. We're going to make some changes in our scheduling. Uh, we're talking about now uh, making some changes that will take effect, take effect in January uh, that, that you, we will make you aware of in the very near future. Uh, but we're going to be able to give you some options now that I think that you will uh, par participate in and uh, be grateful for. So we have a lot going on around here, and we're excited about the future and all that God has in store for us. And I thank you for you and for you being here and being a part of the ministries here at Spirit Life. So good to see Kathy Cash and her family with us today. I came by... Of course, you know her mother passed away two or three weeks ago, and, and they reached out to the church so that we could be there for them during this time. And uh, I told her this morning when I saw her down here in her usual place, I said, it just feels natural for you to be here and sitting in this place. And so we're so thankful that you're here today, and we've been praying for you and believing God's best for you and your family during this time. Amen. So thank you so much, church, for just being who you are. Well, this morning, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and get them handy. If I cough a little bit, don't worry about it. Just rebuke the devil on my behalf and let me get a drink, a swig of water, and then I'll just come back and I'll try again. Will that be all right with you? I told somebody before church, I learned years ago, it's not how loud a preacher preaches. It's not how demonstrative he or she may get when they're preaching. What matters the most is what they say. Because what we say, if it lines up with the Word of God, brings power to our lives. So I'm going to try and control myself a bit today. And so if I'm controlling myself, I want you to become uncontrollable in your worship and in your amens, and you can help me preach today. I want to return to what I started two weeks ago, starting this sermon series leading us into Christmas that I entitled White as Snow. And I want us to pray, and then I want us to look at what God has to say to us this morning uh, through His Word. Let's pray together. Father, 
Thank you for a lovely day that you have provided for us and the opportunity to be here in the house of the Lord to worship you together. Where two or three are gathered together in your name, we know that you are in the midst with us. And there is nothing that is impossible when any two agree as touching anything on earth. It shall be done of them of the Father which is in heaven. And so when we agree together, Lord, all things are possible to those who believe. Now, Lord, I'm standing here today, and I know that I have some limitations in my body. But, Lord, I believe you're going to come upon me and over me today and cover me with your healing virtue and strengthen my vocal cords. You're going to allow me to speak in such a way that your word will not return to you void, but shall accomplish everything that you send it for to do in your name. And when we leave this house today, we're going to be better for the word of God that has come alive in us. We thank you in advance now, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. <coughs> White as snow. The prophecies of the Old Testament, they came to pass when a young girl named Mary, have you ever heard of her, became pregnant by the Holy Spirit and gave birth to a little boy who would be known as Jesus gave birth to him in a little manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And he came into this world in a very humble way. But boy, when he comes the next time, you know he's not coming in a little manger somewhere. You understand that, right? He's going to come on the eastern skies and he's going to come in very differently because he's not coming as a child, but he'll be coming as a king. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about it. So today I want us to unpack the birth of Jesus. And I want us to look at this word incarnation. Incarnation is a fancy theological term that the church uses that simply means that God took on human form. It literally means to take on flesh. So when we say incarnation, what we mean is that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He took on a fleshly body so that we could relate to him and he could relate to us in a very different way. The reality is that Christmas is all about the incarnation of Christ. He came as we celebrate break Christian, it is, or Christmas. It is all about the coming of Jesus Christ, putting on flesh so that he could relate to us. Now, back in Isaiah two weeks ago, we talked about in the first chapter of Isaiah how that Isaiah said in the first couple of verses that we had turned our back upon the things of God, that God's people had rejected him and turned their backs on him. And then a few verses later, he says these words. He says, but though your sins were as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Aren't you glad that God can take our mess and he can turn it around into a blessing in our lives? You see, they understood that once their garments, though they had started off white, of the wool of the lambs, once the dye connected with the fabric, it was impossible to get the crimson color out of the white wool. And so they were thinking in terms of impossibility. But God was talking about possibility. God was saying what seems absolutely impossible to you is certainly possible with me. What you think cannot be done can be done when you add me to the equation. Aren't you glad to know today that all things are possible through Jesus Christ? Though your sins may be as scarlet, I will turn them white as snow. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive 
and have a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then we see the fulfillment of that prophecy in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, where it reads, The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered that before they came together, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't anybody let you think that Jesus was born any other way than through a virgin conception. If we give that up, we give up one of the major theological realities of our faith. She did not become pregnant through any man, but was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God and became pregnant with the seed of God the Father so that her son, when he was born, would be superhuman, if I can say it that way, because it was the very son of God. Verse 19, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But, say but, but after he had considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of God. A son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Which prophet? The prophet Isaiah that we've been talking about and how that Isaiah had said that this is exactly what was going to happen. Verse 23, See the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So I want you to know today that Jesus came into this earth for a very specific reason. It was so that he could interact with the people of God and we could live our lives not alone, not without help, not without supernatural uh, assistance in this life, but he came so that he could be our Savior, save us from our sins, and walk throughout life with us. The birth of Christ was unbelievable. It was a miracle. And in the birth account, we find in the Gospel of Luke, the angel speaking to Mary, and he says this, For nothing shall be impossible with God. Oh, if you don't hear anything else I say today, catch a hold of that. I don't know what you might be going through today, but you're not going through it by yourself. It may seem impossible to you, child of God, but let me tell you that when Jesus is beside you, nothing shall be impossible to those who shall believe. You see, what the angel Gabriel was trying to say to Mary is, as though it's impossible for you to believe in the flesh, you don't walk in the flesh, but you walk in the Spirit. You don't live out life second-guessing your options. You know because the divine Son of God is the one who is creating your pathway for you. And in heaven, the miraculous is commonplace stuff. I mean, if you were in heaven right now, you'd see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle taking place. And we have the authority in and through Jesus Christ to call the blessings of God that are in the heavenlies reserved for us, to call them into existence on our behalf and bring them to, to our situation and let them work for us. There's nobody that is ineligible for the miracles of God. He has made you eligible through knowing Him. 
commonplace stuff. You know, on this earth, we don't see miracles every day of our lives. You know, some things and sometimes and some seasons, it just, it just leaves us in a state of wondering, will we ever see God move on our behalf? Is God ever going to do what his word says that he will do? But let me tell you something. There's an old song of the church that says, hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. You may not be experiencing it right now, but church, if you'll just hold on, Jesus Christ has an answer for you. And he will restore unto you the joy of your salvation. So there are three ways that this incarnation can be experienced in the Christian walk. The first one is for us to realize this. The word became flesh. I mean, it's hard for us to even understand that, but that's what the Bible tells us. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, And in the beginning was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who was the Word? Jesus was the Word. He was not only with God, but the Bible tells us He was God. And listen, if He was God, He is still God. Amen? And always will be. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is is that once again we will see the glory of God. He hasn't gone anywhere. He didn't leave us. Jesus isn't gone. He didn't take his path back up to heaven and leave us comfortless. No, he sent the Holy Spirit of God back, another comforter just like him, so that we could experience and continue experience the, the glory of God. I don't want to live my life just barely getting by. I don't want to live my life void of the promises that God has already stored up with my name on them. We've already got Christmas presents in our house and Donna hasn't wrapped them yet but she's written the name of the child or the individual on the box so that we'll know who it is and so when it comes time to pass out the gifts we won't give Harper Jovi's and Jovi Harper's and Henry's to, to anybody else. We'll know exactly whose gift that is because we've written their names upon it and when it comes time to disperse the gifts we'll know who to give it to let me tell you something God is not going to give you somebody else's blessing God has already written your blessing your name upon the blessing that he intends to bring into your life and he will bring it in the right time amen John says that the word which also meant God Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling with humankind. In the Gospels, we see Jesus as a baby. We see him as a young child. We see him as a teenager. We see him as an adult. For 33 and a half years, Jesus walked among us on this earth. And we saw all the many different phases of the life of Jesus. And he gave us an example as he dwelt among us as to how we could live. Pastor John Piper writes this. He says the word for dwelt is the word to set up a tent. That's what it means in Greek. To set up a tent. He goes on to say, I think what pitching a tent with us implies is that God wants to be on familiar terms with us. He wants to be close to us. He wants a lot of interaction with us. If you come into community and build a huge palace with a wall all around it, it says one thing about your desires as to whether or not you want to be with those people. But if you pitch a tent in the backyard, you probably want to use my bathroom. And you probably want to eat my food. You want to hang out with me and interact with me. And what John Piper says is he came to pitch a tent in our backyard so that we would have a lot of dealings with him. 
Listen, I want you to know that Jesus came to interact with you. He came to live with you day in and day out. He came to be your best friend. He came not only to be your Savior, but He came to be that one who you could have a little talk with Jesus every now and then and know that everything is going to be all right. Amen. Would you give Him praise in the house today? You see, with Jesus, it was personal. With Jesus, it was intimate. He felt what we feel. He ate the food that we eat. Jesus was one of those kind of people that if you wanted Mexican food, he'd go eat Mexican food with you. If you wanted Italian food, he'd go eat Italian food with you. If you wanted some other kind of food, Jesus didn't care. Because Jesus didn't care about what food he was eating. Jesus just wanted to be with you. He wanted to sit at the table with you. He wanted to be able to have conversation with you. He wanted to wrap his arms of love around you. His goal was not what he might have for dinner, but he to be with the dinner guest, the child of God, the one he had purchased with his blood. Jesus wants to be with us. Aren't you glad for that today? He became flesh. And then secondly, we understand the incarnation through the reality that he became a great high priest, the scripture tells us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have, say do not have. We do not have a high priest who is unable, say unable, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. I've always in my faith walk, I've wondered about how Jesus might have been specifically tempted when he was on the face of the earth. Because listen, <clears throat> there have been temptations in my life that after I realized I was being tempted in that particular way, I was ashamed of the fact that I was even tempted. But let me tell you something today. It's not the temptation that matters. It doesn't matter what kind of way that you're tempted. What matters is, is that through Jesus... He has provided a way of escape for every temptation that might come your way. And when he was here in the flesh, the Bible says he was tempted in every way as we are. But it doesn't stop there. It says, yet without sin. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came in the flesh to go through everything that we would ever go through, to be tempted in every way, like as we are. Yet he shows us the possibility that no matter what our temptation is, church, we can overcome it in Jesus' name. We do not have to give in to temptation because with every temptation, he also provides a way of escape for his people. We are overcomers. We don't just come overcome every now and again we don't just have victory every once in a while the bible tells us that we are overcomers in this life right now victorious in the name of jesus there is nothing too hard for the saint of god the person of god i'm not calling myself a sinner because i'm not a sinner i'm a saint of god i have been saved by grace and because of his grace I am like him in that I have overcome. And I'm so thankful for that. See, the historical context is this. In the book of Hebrews, there's a lot of talk about the high priest. There's a lot of talk about, in the Jewish culture, the high priest being responsible for making the atonement of the sins of the people once a year. I'm so glad, grateful that I didn't have to serve as a high priest in the Old Testament. 
you'd have to take the sin of every individual and they had to take them into the Holy of Holies and they had to sacrifice the lamb on their behalf. Every sin that they committed had to be mentioned and laid on the altar of God and the blood of the lamb applied and it had to happen on a regular basis. And they'd, they'd, put, a, they'd put a rope on the ankle of the high priest so that when he went in, if he said anything that was offensive to God, God would strike him dead just like that. And if the bell that was on his, his cloak would stop ringing, they would know that the priest was dead. And they'd take that rope and they'd just pull his dead carcass out of there. Listen, I love you, but I don't want to have to wear a rope on my ankle and carry your sins in. But here's the good news. No one has to do that anymore. Because Jesus Christ, the great high priest, has shed his blood once and for all. He took our sins, your sins, my sins, into the holy place. And he paid the price so that they could be remitted from us. And today we are holy people of God, not because of our actions and what, what we did, but because of what Jesus, the great high priest, has done on our behalf. Amen. You know what I like most about that verse? I like the last passage that says, therefore. You know what therefore means? It means that in light of the previous information that I just gave you, because of that, then this is what needs to happen. He says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we might reserve mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. Listen, you don't have to run your pastor down. You don't have to call me up and say, hey, I need the mercy of God in my life. I don't mind praying with you. I'm more than happy to do that. But you are, as a child of God, just as authoritative as I am. And you can call out to God wherever you are and use the name of Jesus and know that He will meet you where you are. What a good God that we serve. We can boldly come into the throne of grace. We don't have to weasel our way in. There are people who think that they have to buy their way into the presence of God. But listen, there's nothing you can say or do. There's no price that you can pay that will get you into the Holy of Holies. There's only one way that you can be free, and it is through accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We can approach confidently because of who He is, because of what He's done, not based on our own merits, not based on our own efforts. <coughs> I think one of the most difficult things for some people is to realize and to think that they have to keep paying for the sins of their life. I know people who are still grieved over sin that they committed in their life 25 years ago, 30 years ago, last week. I fell short of the glory of God. Oh, listen, even the Apostle Paul said, man, the things that I would do, I don't do, and the things that I would not do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about his flesh. He's talking about when he tried to live life in the flesh. But listen, we don't live life in the flesh. We are spiritual beings. We have the spirit of the most high God living within us. He is here for us. He was incarnate and he lives within us. When you got saved, brother, sister, the Spirit of God took up residence within you. And wherever you go and whatever you do and however you live, Jesus is right there with you. Isn't that good news? Amen. Let me cough for a minute and I'll be all right. Do you mind if I cough for just a second? Oh, good. I got another 15 minutes in me. There's one final thing I want to leave with you today. Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus means that he is our constant companion. 
You know, I've been married to Donna. We just recently celebrated 44 years. We're together a lot. I like it. I wanted it to be that way. I wouldn't have never asked her to marry me if I didn't ever want to be with her. I wanted to be with her. I like to be with her. I know you like to be with your spouse. I know that you like to be with your kids. I know you like to be with your family. You're together all the time. You eat together. You pray together. You, 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 you live in your home together. You're constantly with one another. And God wants to be constantly interacting with us. He is our companion. I have a video that I want to show you here in just a second. I think it's one of the greatest stories in the New Testament about how that when everyone else abandons us and deserts us, Jesus will be right by our side. Guys, will you play this video? Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. For whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what sayest thou What sayest thou? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Jesus. Hath no man condemned thee? thing that strikes me so heavily about that, that video is not the sin that she had committed, not her accusers, but the fact that when everyone wanted to throw a stone with her, at her, when Jesus pointed out that there was not an individual among her that had not sinned. If you've never sinned, you throw the first stone, he said. And no one was willing to throw a stone. And when all of her accusers had left, who was standing beside her? Jesus himself. 
And what powerful words. What a wonderful declaration. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine the shame that that woman felt? Can you imagine how she felt? She was nothing more than a pawn in a religious system. They dragged her there and threw her at the feet of Jesus so that they can condemn her and try to blackmail him into saying something that would bring accusation against him. But Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, was able to handle the situation in such a way that he could, he, he could let her know that your sins are forgiven, and if you'll move forward from this day and not sin any longer, then everything will be okay. You'll have no condemnation from me. Listen, Jesus has not left you. He's not concerned with what you might do because he is able to remedy that and has already done that by shedding his blood on your behalf. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There is no better example in Scripture than this passage that depicts Jesus as Emmanuel. Now in this Christmas season, as we move forward, many of us will spend time with our families. I've learned through the years that holidays can be some of the most depressing times for individuals and for families. I've noticed it through the years. I studied psychology many years later and discovered that it's true. More people suffer from depression during times of holidays when families are supposed to get together because of the dysfunction of their family or just by the reality that they're not there for you. And so depression sets in. But you know what? If we get our eyes focused upon other people, believers or unbelievers, they are always going to let us down. They will never be able to be for us what we think they should be for us. But that's the reason Jesus came. Because when everyone else lets you down, Jesus will never let you down. He will never leave your side. If you'll trust in him and if you'll believe in him, he will always be there for you. So as we celebrate this Christmas, one of the greatest reasons to celebrate is the incarnation of Christ. A God who is willing to put on flesh and come and live and dwell among us. And even when we struggle, like in Isaiah in chapter 1, the first two verses, you, you've abandoned your God. You've turned your back on Him. And then just, just a few verses later, but He will make your sin turn as white as snow. I know it's crimson right now. I know it's dark right now. I know it seems impossible to do right now, but God is able through Jesus Christ to turn your sin as white as snow. I'm glad he came. Aren't you glad he came? We're going to pray together in just a moment. I have one more video that I saw just this week. I wanted to share it with you today. It's a brand new song sung and performed by a lady named Ann Wilson. You may know who she is. But it's just simply entitled, The Manger. And I want you to watch it for just a moment. They're putting decorations up in front of my old church. The shepherds and the wise men in the hay There's Joseph and his Mary looking down at heaven's birth And the angels saying, don't you be afraid And make 
makes me stop and think about how you showed up down here in a humble bed made of nails and wood. You could have picked a pile of something more fit for a king, but then the story wouldn't be as good. From the highest of the high to the lowest of the low, that stable tells a story of the distance you will go for the lonely and the lost. There's no sinner too far gone to find a savior. Lying in the manger. There's a star up in the sky and it's calling all. Take a moment and give personal worship to the Savior who came and took on flesh so that he could overcome every negative aspect of this flesh and provide something positive for us. Will you just take a moment and just worship him? Just give him praise. Say thank you all that he's done. Hallelujah. 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 Away in a manger, no crib. Sing it for me if you will. Jesus, the sleep. 
I'm fully aware, having served the Lord as many years as I have, there are seasons in our life when it just seems like that Jesus is not as close as we think he ought to be. It just feels like that we're fighting a battle all by ourselves. And that there's no hope. Where is he? He came. But when he went to heaven, he must have forgotten. Let me just tell you that that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. There's no truth in that whatsoever. Even when Jesus went into the heavenlies, he comforted us by sending his Holy Spirit to us. We're not alone. He is with us. I was thinking about it this week. What are some of the best ways that we can experience the presence, the incarnation of Jesus Christ? And I came up with two very important, there may be more than that, but two very important ways that we can experience His incarnation. incarnation. And the first is we can receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that yet in your life, You know, it's as simple, according to the Bible, it's as simple as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth who He is. And it's just a simple prayer. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to twist the the arm of Jesus or the leg of Jesus to get Him to save you. All you have to do is just simply say, Lord, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. And today, I'm going to confess that belief. I'm going to confess it. And as simple as that, you'll be saved. A child of God. And he will come into your life by his spirit. And your life will never, ever, ever be the same. That's one way you can experience the incarnation. you know there's another way and that is to be connected to a local church because the church is the expression of Christ we're his bride we represent him in this world if we're not doing that we're not doing church right if it's just about potluck dinners and gatherings those are all good but our job is to reach out to those who are thirsty and give them a drink of spiritual water that will change their lives. To go to those who are hungry, not just physically, but spiritually, and give them the bread of life. You say, I thought God just miraculously knocked them on the head and did all that. No. No, He uses His church. You know, for people who hate the church and have had bad experiences with the the church, I am genuinely sorry that you have experienced that. But if you have experienced hurt from the church, it's only because the church is full of imperfect people just like you. And we're all on our way to perfection. But we haven't made it there quite yet. We'll make it one of these days. The church. Kathy's mother got sick she contacted me and she said I know we haven't been there in a while started with COVID started with sickness started with pre sicknesses and ailments just unable to be here but in their moment of great need they contacted this church because this is where they feel the love of Christ. This is where they feel that God is able to do for them and in them what only He can do. This week, one of our young families that recently got baptized right over here made their confession of faith. The Armstrongs, he texted me. I need for you to pray for Eli, their little one. So we've had to take him to the hospital and he's being admitted with RSV. And we just need prayer. We're not real sure how all this works yet. But we need somebody 
going to stand with us and pray for our little Eli. And I prayed with them and I sent it to the prayer team and the prayer team started praying and others who were aware of it started praying. And during the night that night, they had put oxygen on Eli to help him breathe. But during the night, somehow, the oxygen came loose. And he was all night without oxygen. When the doctor had said he had to have the oxygen. So when I contacted him the next morning, Alex, I said, how's Eli? He said, let me tell you something, Pastor. said, during the night, the oxygen disconnected, somehow got off of Eli. and said, all night long, he was not breathing with assisted breath. He breathed on his own. And when the doctor came in the next morning, he's telling everybody in the room, who took this oxygen off of this boy? He needs this oxygen. How did it get off of him? Who took it off? He said, we don't know how it got off of him. How long's he been without this oxygen? All night long, he's been without oxygen. He's been breathing on his own. He said, the doctor looked at him all and said, wrap him up and send him home. He's going to be all right. (laughs) Just that quick. Just that quick. Jesus is able to use his church call things into existence that need to be expressed in the spiritual world to loose the heavenly blessings that have been given on our behalf I don't know where I fell in the line of succession but I got a text from Leslie this week she said I need prayer because Neil has been involved in an accident T-boned. He and a co-worker said, we're on the way to the hospital. They are. She said, I don't really know a whole lot. She said, I just know they're taking him to the hospital. Took him to the hospital, and when they got there, they realized they had a couple fractures, femur and L2, a few things like that. But instead of focusing upon the bad stuff, Her testimony was simply, it could have been so much worse. But I'm so grateful for a God who loves us and cares about us. What I'm saying to you is, is that when people go through hardships and difficulties, they oftentimes reach out to the church because we are an expression of His mercy and His grace. And we have the ability to bind up everything the enemy would try to use against us and loose the things of the Spirit that will bring freedom to His people. Jesus didn't leave. He's not gone. He still lives within us today. There's an old song we sang years ago, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Aren't you glad that He is in the world today? I want you to get some prayer partners around you. Maybe just your family, maybe some friends of yours. I just want you to go to them. And I want you to bind your faith together on whatever needs it may be that you're carrying today, whatever burdens that you may have. And I want you to pray for one another and believe that whatever it is that they're facing, that our Jesus, who is among us by His Spirit, will flip the switch and take whatever the enemy meant for harm and turn it for our good right now today in Jesus' name. Will you pray for one another? Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you right now.
And I thank you for sending your only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You did not send him into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might saved, be saved. And I'm thankful that we're saved. But we're more than just saved, Father. We're overcomers. Lord, I know many of our families right now are praying for prodigals to come home. Lord, I believe that you will bring them home. I believe that you are able to restore them. I believe that you are able to heal the sick. I believe that you are able to set us free. I believe that those who may be discouraged and feeling all alone today, I believe that they can experience your love and your grace and your mercy. I'm so thankful, and I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. Oh, come let us adore, oh, come let us For he alone is worthy for Lift up your voices and sing it unto him this morning. Give him praise, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. something I want to ask you to do. I'm going to give you the entire month of December to do it. One thing that we discovered when COVID hit our church was that we were not very well prepared in knowing and identifying who the people of our church are. The people that we come to church with every week, and sometimes we don't even know who they are. We don't know their names. You know, it's so easy for us to just come and run with our tribe. You know what I'm talking about? You understand what I'm saying? Because it's our comfort zone. It's not hard at all for us to get together with a particular group of people, call their names, hug their necks, let them know that we love them. But when it's somebody across the room, or it's someone that we see at the grocery store and we recognize the face, but we can't go over and greet them because we don't know their name. I want to challenge you. Between now and the 1st of January, I want you to do everything in your power to find out who people are that attend our church. If you don't know their name, it's as simple as this. Sir, my name is Rob Baker. I've been seeing you around here for quite a while now, but I don't have a clue what your name is. Would you tell me your name? Dave what? Dave Cummins. Let me introduce you to Dave Cummins. Uh, That's how easy it was. I want you to just find out who we go to church with. I want you to memorize their names and don't move on to somebody else until you know who they are and what their name is. Now this is the first Sunday in December. Am I right about that? So you got the whole month of December, but come January, I want you to be able to come into this building and go to anybody who attends here and say, I know your name. Say, why is that important? Because you are the expression of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus will not in the flesh walk the aisles of this church. He's not coming back until he comes back again. But he left us here to impact everyone else. So I challenge you to be the expression of Christ to everyone around you. Let me tell you something. I know how difficult that it was for you to have to listen to me today. But I pray that somehow through this message today, the Lord spoke to you and gave you an encouraging word. I love you so much, and I am so honored to be your pastor. Thank you for doing life together with Donna and I. We look forward to the future that we have together and all that God is going to do. It's going to be a wonderful time, don't you agree? God bless you. You can be dismissed, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.